Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And we went marching through the bog to find this one to bring to you today. Yes, from the uh, primordial swamp, we <laughs> bring you 1989's The Return of Swamp Thing, uh, directed by Jim Wynorski. Uh, it is the sequel to the 1982 film Swamp Thing, directed by none other than Wes Craven. And we actually haven't seen the first Swamp Thing, so maybe we'll have to do that one in a few episodes. I have actually seen it. It's just been a very long time. Uh, mm. I used to watch both of them on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, Hell yes. That's where, I, <laughs> that's where I saw both of these as a, as a young child. And I can only recall scenes from Return of Swamp Thing. Okay. Um, they left an indelible mark on my, my childhood psyche. Um, Clearly. But yeah, I, <laughs> I remember... I saw Return of Swamp... No, I actually, I saw Swamp Thing at least twice, once on Sci-Fi mm. and then once on DVD because I was like, oh, Wes Craven. I was getting into Wes Craven and I was right. like, oh man, Wes Craven did this. It must be a masterpiece. But uh, I think it was just so boring. I can't yeah. remember a single thing about it. So I don't know, maybe we'll do it in the future, but I just remember this one being more fun. Um mm. Mm-hmm. Which it is, folks. Return of Swamp Thing is super fun. So uh, let me just, I guess, we'll just go through the plot real quick. Uh, <laughs> the then, plot, as, yeah, such as it is. <laughs> the, the plot in quotation marks. Um, so uh, Swamp Thing is this uh, benevolent scientist who, uh, during a lab accident, gets turned into this plant guy, Swamp Thing. This, this Swamp Thing. This Swamp Thing. Uh, and he... Um, in the second film is hunting down these like genetic monstrosities that his arch nemesis, the malevolent scientist Anton Arcane created. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anton Arcane uh, died in the first film, resurrected in the second film. And uh, he's trying to unlock the secrets to immortality. And then <laughs> yeah. uh, there's also uh, Dr. Arcane's daughter, uh, Abigail Arcane, played by Heather Locklear, the only like A-list celebrity in this film. Yeah, uh, no idea how she, they got her, honestly. Um, I think it was. It seems like it was early on in her career. I think you're right. Yeah, I think um, she was popular on like TV, mm-hmm. um, that show like T.J. Hooker or whatever. I, yeah, yeah, I th- think it's those... like yeah, it's like an '80s um, crime show. I think I don't know. <laughs> don't quote us on that, folks. I, that's not our Whatever. strong suit. '80s TV is not our strong suit. But uh, yeah, so Heather Locklear uh, plays the stepdaughter of Doctor Arcane, and she's trying to figure out what happened to her mother who died in the first film, but she's not aware of the circumstances. So that's kind of it. That's mm-hmm. I mean, there's not much else going on in this film. No, no, there's not. But um, I will say that the whole um, Abigail Arcane side side plot, uh, she is our first failed daughter of the show. Hell program, yeah, folks. Uh, proving Hell that yeah. gender constructs are, are, are just that constructs and that anyone can be a failed child if they so choose. <laughs> or if they have it thrust upon them. <laughs> you are all failed children in the eyes of Procon. I did not. I did not choose the failed child lifestyle. The failed child lifestyle shows me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, my perception of the film. I I didn't. I knew that the Wes Craven one existed, um, but unlike Lewis, I did not have the the deep cut knowledge of the Swamp Thing uh, <laughs> film series. I didn't. I didn't even know this one was a thing, um, 
or as, as much as I was aware of it, I kind of conflated the two films. But yeah, people people by and large don't really like this one too much. It's it's seen as this really campy, um, very much made for TV, very much sci-fi channel uh, film. We do have a staff review here from Time Out Magazine. Um, we couldn't find who the author was. Uh, and the, the review says, Apprenticed under Corman, Wynorski is well-versed in double-bluffing his audience, denying them the chance at, of balking at dreadful special effects by implying that the ineptitude is deliberate. He opts for cheap nostalgic laughs and Camp 50s sci-fi scenery. Depending on whether you find this funny, you'll either smile knowingly or gasp in disbelief. Um... I liked it. I was smiling knowingly. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I smiled knowingly the whole time. Uh, yeah. I don't really, I don't understand this review. I. It's like, this person just like, I don't know, maybe this person hates comic book movies or sci-fi, but it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like the wink and the nods are deliberate. I, I don't know what to tell oh, yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that review does mention Corman. I know that's that's Roger Corman, right? Yeah, um, Roger Corman, uh, famous Mas- B. Uh, Master of Schlock. Yep, yep. Uh, Master of Slock, uh, B-movie director and producer. Um, Yeah, so Jim Wynorski started as a a screenwriter for Corman, actually. I had just recently Mm. seen a film he wrote called uh, Sorceress. Uh, It's it's awful, (laughs) but has some cool uh, special effects. Uh, Oh, you were sending me those images. Yeah, it has like this really cool like uh, (laughs) lion puppet, like this lion god with wings puppet. Um, but yeah, on a whole, it's, it's pretty abysmal. Um, it, some, some decent writing here and there. So Winorski comes from that school of B movie filmmaking. Um, I'm not sure if this is his first like actual, uh, blockbuster release. Cause I mean, this had a theatrical release. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy to me. it was, uh, so I actually pulled a quote from, I couldn't find a, a written review, but um, back when Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel had at the movies on television, mm. um, they reviewed Return of Swamp Thing <laughs> with this other like serious movie called Lost Angels. Um, oh my god! And uh, yeah, so Roger Ebert loved Return of Swamp Thing. He also loved the original Swamp Thing film, and Gene huh. Siskel hated uh, Return of Swamp Thing. So the majority of their their review on air is just basically uh gene siskel chiding roger ebert for liking this film and not the serious <laughs> film lost angels they had previously reviewed oh my uh, God, and that's... robert roger ebert says uh return of swamp thing is successful at being return of swamp thing i mean i i agree with that but that almost seems like it's damning with faint praise like it, it's like oh this movie succeeds at what it sets out to do and that's how i roger ebert say that a movie's good or not it's like yeah no shit asshole yeah i mean i think when you're doing television sound bites like you have to say stuff like this um, true, true but I, it's also uh it's interesting to think of uh roger ebert saying something like this because as much as we think of him like this this guy who uh you know reviewed films his whole life and reviewed the everything but you know always heaped praise on oscar stuff he also came from like a b-movie tradition he wrote um Mm. he wrote b-movies and when he started in his career um he wrote like uh i forget the director's name but he wrote these like just basically like softcore porn movies um, when he started so like (laughs) i think he has a fondness for movies like this that's pretty sincere but it does sound stupid i agree like you're just saying like Blank is successful at being blank. Well, yeah, no shit. I mean, like, that's why it's blank. <laughs> I didn't realize that Lewis was becoming an Ebert stan. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll factor that into my future interactions with him regarding film. 
<laughs> that's that's fair. Um, also, it's also bears mentioning that Swamp Thing is a DC Comics character uh, created by Len Wein, the um, the guy who also created Wolverine. Swamp Thing was created, I believe, back in the seventies, and when he first came out, he it, it it was kind of like an EC Comics thing, like this this abject terror um, horror character that was more monstrous than anything else. And um, over time, he kind of devolved into Schlock, and then he was resurrected. The the character and the concept was res- were resurrected, um, most famously by Alan Moore in the eighties, who had this um, really influential run, and a lot of this movie. And what I can gather from references to the first movie were very, very explicitly based on Alan Moore's um, initial run of the Swamp Thing character. On that measure alone, um, I'm not I'm not exactly the biggest fan of like direct one to one adaptations, but this movie does that well because it takes inspiration from those from that run, but it um it doesn't make it such a such, like like this fetishistically. Um, detailed um, parallel you know it takes bits that work it takes bits from the comic that would be effective on film a a schlock b film for the 80s sticks them in where appropriate and kind of makes its own story out of that yeah it is a good um, kind of like piecemeal of um, Jim Wynorski's sensibilities of filmmaking and screenwriting and also the DC Comics um, more serious tone, kind of like dripping grotesque horror tone that they that they kind of did um, in some of their titles of this of this time. They they really got that like like I, like I was saying, EC Comics kind of like Tales from the Crypts aesthetic. I think. Yeah. No. I mean the um, the production design and and then the mm. creature effects as well. I think mm. are uh, were a big draw for me as as a child watching this. Um, <laughs> Uh, as with uh, the majority of films, I still like to this day. Uh, <laughs> yes. As long as you have really cool practical effects, I'm probably a fan of it. Um, oh, yeah. Not uncritically, of course. You know, this film yeah. has its problems, but um, no, it doesn't. No, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, no it's, it's 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 perfect. It's actually the most perfect film that we've reviewed on this show. <laughs> that, that might that might be true. Um, I mean, when you when your title credits open with panning over. Um, images and panels directly from the Swamp Thing comics. I was pretty excited. Yeah, that's uh that's called the Ken Burns effect. Uh <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the, the, yeah, so the opening credits yeah. are pretty pretty fucking cool. Um they like do a trippy Ken Burns effect cuz like there's sometimes the panels are upside down and they're spinning and mm-hmm. um but yeah, it's it's over just basically the the breath of Swamp Thing comics. Um, there's a lot noticeable from the Alan Moore uh, comics that at least mm-hmm. I picked up on, but mm-hmm. there were stuff I wasn't familiar with either. Uh, and then the song over the the credits is uh, yes. "Born on the Bayou" by CCR. <laughs> I I I like laughed out loud. I lol. I laughed out loud when I heard that. <laughs> it was that was inspired. Yeah, it really it's the best use of uh, a CCR song in, yes. in film history. Uh come at me Forrest Gump stands, please. Oh my god. Um maybe we could someday do an anti-review of Forrest Gump because that film is kind of everything wrong with America today. Yeah, that's true. Uh look out for that one folks. Uh, that might <laughs> yeah. be our like April Fools episode. Who knows. It, we'll see. We'll 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 put that one in the tank for now. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, yeah, the uh, the swamp thing. Um, the whole movie opens up with kind of a classic horror scenario. You get some schmucks um, tromping through the swamp, 
and they're like, oh, we came from the office, and we're just having a, a guy's night out, like, on the on the swamp. We're out in the bushwhacking and everything, and they get attacked by this monster. What what do you think that that creature was supposed to be that attacked them? Was it, like, an elephant or something, or a crocodile? It's so strange, right? Like, um, yeah. so they hint at it later what it is, actually. It's a leech. That is wild, because yeah. that makes sense now that you say that. Yeah. So uh, when the, the sheriff is talking to Dr. Arcane later, uh, yeah. he mentions um, some good old boys being, like, drained of all their blood by a giant leech. That is so good. Be- that That is really impressive design, because that, it, that, it looks it looks so alien and, and unreal and, like, like, a Cthulhu beyond time and space thing. But you said leech, and, like, just like that, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it took me a while to realize that, uh, but then yeah. once the sheriff started talking about a leech, and then once we saw it again later in the film, I was like, oh, because I, I thought at first, yeah, I was like, elephant, maybe just going for some kind of totally... Alligator or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it's it's like, so for everybody who hasn't seen the movie and who will never see the movie, um, it's just like a regular human body, but then the head itself is this uh, elongated... Um, like kind of ridged looking, uh, you know, very, very gleaning and glistening, just mass. Orifice, yeah. Yeah, and it has, yeah, it has this giant, like, whole mouth with, you know, spindly, uh, spiky teeth. Um, I think for the show notes, we should definitely include images to, like, all of these, of these creatures. Yeah, there are a ton in the movie. Um, there's at one point, uh, a half ant, half man, uh, mm. hybrid. I think there's like a crocodile one. There's a half cockroach. That, oh yeah. That's I right. Think that's it's a cockroach, not an ant. Right. Yeah. And they, they destroy it in this hilarious fashion. Um, oh yeah. But yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if it's not obvious by now, creature design and makeup design is, is top notch in this film. Yeah. For a film that I assume has a very low budget, um, probably got even a limited theatrical release. They they put a lot of energy into creature production and and production design, set design. Um, yep. You know, with with what uh, limitations they had, um, they made a, a pretty um, even for its time and for now, you know, a pretty bang up job. Definitely. And so yeah, that that whole setup is um is it 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 presents the those char- those brief characters be killed off really quickly. But Swamp Thing steps in to save the save the last survivor, and he he fights the the leech creature. They they get into a tussle, the leech escapes, and then Swamp Thing gives a thumbs up, and then we jump right to the credits. Yeah, it's pretty great. the The last survivor of this like hunting party, um, I, I, hunting I, hunting party with like AK forty sevens, but or or like M sixteens. By the way, yeah, it's so strange. I didn't really understand who they were. I was I I think they said at one point the Treasury Department. I like. That that makes no sense. I thought ATF, yeah. but I I don't know the history of um the ATF. I don't know if it existed at that time. I think it, I think it did, but they, they claim they were government something. Right, and they're so they're looking for a whiskey still. They're looking for bootleggers in the swamp. Maybe, maybe they were looking for those bootleggers that show up later. I think so. Yeah. That this movie this movie's great. This movie's like yeah. really really economically like written and very well told and payoff uh setups and payoffs are, are, are abound everywhere yeah it's it's a layered film folks um <laughs> it's, it's layered it's, like it's... layered like the swamp <laughs> yeah like shrek says onions you know oh my god <laughs> swamp thing would kick shrek's ass by the way 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. Shrek is a landlord. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, Shre- Shrek has like a lot of ironic meme clout, but he sucks. Yeah. Shrek sucks. Um, Swamp Thing's all about, you know, everybody using the land and uh, being a good steward of the land. In respecting all living creatures of the swamp, whether they be the lowly leech or the, the mighty alligator. Yep. Although he does kill the leech monster. So, I mean, but that's... It's because, you know, you got to put it down sometimes. And the leech monster was trying to kill the two best characters in this film. So Yes, that's we, true. We, we can get to that in a little bit. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, we haven't even gotten out of the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> when, when we were discussing this episode, we're like, yeah, well, we'll just kind of like talk about it. We'll we'll see where it goes. It's, it's kind of a whatever movie. We'll, we'll just like, we'll talk about the parts that we like. But this is going to be like the longest goddamn episode yeah. just because we fucking love this film. I think I can talk about every minute individually. Yes. It's, it's quite incredible. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, so after the awesome uh, credit scene, uh, we are introduced to Abigail Arcane in her plant shop. Uh, oh my or God. Her, she's a florist <laughs> in L.A., um, which actually opens up a lot of hilarious um, anti-California <laughs> yeah, that, lines that's a, throughout the that's whole a movie. Big thing. Yeah. <laughs> so Abigail, um, as we've alluded to, she's a failed daughter. She's kind of has no direction in life. Um, I don't know how much of that is referenced in the first film, but she's like, she, she's literally saying this to her plants because all her plants have names and like, yeah. like they have little name, name like placards. And she's like, I just don't know what I want to do. I, my therapist, like my fifth therapist in five years just tells <laughs> me all, all my problems with men relate to my stepfather. It's just shameless exposition. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and like, she has like one other person who works with her and this person yes. is just like watching TV and reading. Uh, I thought this was funny. Her, her coworkers reading roots by Alex Haley. Yes. <laughs> yes. Her, her black coworker who has no lines in the scene, no lines, at just all. like looking at Abigail, like she's, she's out of her mind. Um, like like casting her side glances has a copy of Roots right there, which is which is a little a little on the edge, but like just the title Roots with you know sl- a, a swamp thing and plants, I, I I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah, um, and we've discussed in previous episodes like the Dante esque, um, like in yeah. uh, like yeah. in our our in the Ghost Rider episode, and and you know uh, using these these b- bits of media that um, reference something in the in the in the movie in a, in a mm-hmm. somewhat satirical way like that's that's pulled exactly from joe dante um, yeah. and the films he would have done that in like um piranha and the howling came out well before this movie mm-hmm. so and dante's uh he's from the corman school as well so definitely, definitely. there's a good there's a good chance that uh, jim winorski actually knew joe dante uh personally mm-hmm. and worked with him Oh, and I guess um, this this I just thought of this. Um, rest in peace to Dick Miller, a uh, very big uh, Joe Dante collaborator. Oh yeah, R.I.P. to uh, one of the greatest character actors. Uh, I don't think we'll ever do a film that he's in because every film no, he's, he's in is he's perfect. Too good. Yeah, <laughs> it's too good so, for the show. Um, that's that's we'll have this as our uh, commemorative episode of a man who's not even in this movie. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> But a great man, nonetheless. Um, great man, and there's you know a few degrees of separation here, so yeah, it's appropriate. I think I think the the plant shop scene when when that scene ends, that's the first of the many um, unique wipe transitions. It's yes. it, looks, it looks like a <laughs> it looks like a comic book page being turned. It's like this this black shape that looks like a half furled over page, and then it wipes across the screen. Um, I, that, that was pretty, at first I'm like, what the hell is that? But then, um, 
it happened a few more times in rapid succession um, and, and some really, really frenetic editing, but I got it and it was, it was neat. Yeah. It's actually a pretty well edited film. Um, mm-hmm. I, my favorite uh, cut was uh, during the, the second fight scene with the, the leech monster when the leech monster is finally bested and he jumps into the water and there's smoke coming off of him. Uh, it cuts really quick and you wouldn't even know that it's a cut because it's cut from smoke to smoke and it's, it's swamp thing coming out of another billow of smoke. Yeah. And it's really yeah, seamless, okay. but it's like yeah. really well done. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no, even thinking about that. Yeah. That was, um, that was clever. So after that initial um, comic book page wipe transition, we jump immediately to Anton Arcane's mansion, um, which is which is this uh, slave plantation that he that he lives in, and he has this whole sci-fi underground bunker. He has like guards patrolling, and they're literally like patrolling constantly. Like every scene at at the Arcane Mansion, there's like uniform security guys just like walking back and forth, back and forth. It's kind of funny. It's like it's it's, it's like a video game. Um, and he has this like beautiful, devious, cunning second in command um, who's in love with him. And he has this this doctor. Um, oh, what was the scientist's name? The crazy scientist, Doctor uh, Rochelle. Rochelle, yeah. Um, who's who's like the most stereotypical, like meek, like feckless, like dweeby scientist character. It's great. And he has all this. He has all this stuff going on. And in his basement, he has all these unmen, these half creature, half human uh, hybrids that um, everyone's spli- that they're splicing together to try to uncover the the elixir to to immortality or something. Yeah, was, I think that that's right. Big. It's something that um, is referenced in the first film, I believe. That's uh, mm-hmm. so he's the reason why Swamp Thing exists. Right, uh, Swamp Thing. Uh, Alec Holland, I think, is the the name Alec, of of Alec Holland. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he, um, him, and his sister in the first film are creating a serum to like uh, double the. Um, the produce production in the world. Yeah. Crop yield or something. Yeah. So that can be used for <laughs> immortality or something. So <laughs> uh, arcane steals it from them in the first film, killing uh, Alec Holland, but he gets a splash of the serum on him and that mm. meshes with the swamp uh, juices and turns him into swamp thing. And and that's um that's very similar to his comic book origin story, but um the the major difference of of Alec Holland here and Alec Holland in the comics this is a pretty interesting concept. Otherwise, I wouldn't go into the Dirty Russian. In the comic, Alec Holland dies, but the swamp picks up his his memories or like his, the, the they call it like the echo of his psyche, and the chemicals in the swamp together recreate his psyche in a new a new being. So the, the the swamp thing thinks that he's Alec Holland the entire time, but he's actually not. He has all oh. of Alex's he has all of Alex's uh, memories in his personality, um, but it, it's like one of those classic sci-fi tropes, you know, like if a if a if a clone of you is made tomorrow with all of your memories, um, would it still be you? So that's what Swamp Thing is in the comic. But here in the movie, he is just literally mutated Alec Holland. Yeah. That um that bit of nuance is 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 kind of missing. Um <laughs> yeah. but there's plenty of other nuance in this film. Folks. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. Um 
One of which is that Anton Arcane kind of reminded me of Jeff Sessions. <laughs> uh, he had he had the whole like antebellum like like slimy skeezy rich southern bastard thing going on. But yeah, so we, we we get a lot more exposition at the Anton man at the Arcane Mansion. Um, that that sheriff that Lewis had mentioned, who who confirms the identity of the leech monster, shows up. Um, and that's when Abigail shows up randomly. Um, she she rides in in a in a cab. Um, and it, it, this movie has so many colorful like like random tertiary characters. The the cabbie. Remember him? <laughs> yeah, the cabbie's great. <laughs> It's like it, it's like his car, and it has like decals on the side of his car. It's like Swamp Tour Taxi Cab or whatever. Yeah, it's like literally just like paper taped onto the side <laughs> of his door. Um, and we get some more exposition between the cabbie and Abigail about what Arcane's whole deal is and how she, how he had married Abigail's mother and how there's some bad blood there. Um, Abigail shows up. She she meets up with Anton. Um, Everyone at the mansion is kind of like resentful of her, especially uh, Arcane. What was Arcane's second in command name? His his like beautiful femme fatale assistant. I think her first name is Lena. I don't remember what Lena, her last yeah. name is. Yeah, but she th- there's tension set up between Lena and uh, Abigail, and um, and from from that whole bit of setup, we jump to the two best characters of this film. Hell yeah. So there are two uh, child actors. Um, there's a kid named Daryl and a kid named Omar. Yes. Um, they live in like a motel community, it looked like. It looked kind of like a kind of like a shanty town or something. Like, um, I don't know. I'll, what I'm about to say comes directly from like movies and, and video games and stuff. But like, I've seen depictions of like shacks and like like poor poor communities that live in like the swamp or the or in the bayou or whatever um it it looks like it was keeping in that kind of tradition yeah it does but i think there's like they do focus on this sign at one point right before they go to that those houses and it says something like big bubba's community or something and i think it said something about being a motel like a long-term motel situation I did miss a lot of the signage and a lot of the verbiage in this movie just because we watched a mirrored version. So we were, <laughs> we were reading everything backwards. Yeah. We did not pay for this folks. Um, there was, yeah, there was a three part mirrored version yeah. uh, on daily motion. If you're interested in watching that. So all of you have no excuse to skip this one. <laughs> free folks free. But yeah, so Daryl and Omar are hanging out on this uh, stormy night uh, Omar's parents are away playing bingo. Uh, they're really excited that the parents are going to be away for hours. So uh, they break out the softcore porn mags. <laughs> they break out Omar's o- Omar's dad's um, lad magazine collection, and <laughs> it's so good. They they like bust out snacks. They put on MTV. They they drop the magazines all over the floor, and they're about to dig in. And then there's this big knock on the door, and they're like, Ah, they're back! They're back! <laughs> Yeah, they think it's the parents, and they get freaked out. They're stuffing the magazines <laughs> under the couch, in the couch cushion, under the rug. under the carpet. <laughs> um, so they're like, okay, and they're shaking, and they go to the door, and they open the door, and it's the fucking leech monster a- <laughs> again. And we get a really great close-up shot, actually, of the yeah. leech monster. That's when I kind of figured out what mm-hmm. it was in that okay. shot, um, especially when you see the mouth opening. In that shot, it, it reminded me of... Um 
this background character from Return of the Jedi in Jabba's palace, um, Ethan Mon, who is like this big elephant faced um, mm. hunchback creature, and maybe maybe we can throw in an image of of Ethan Mon in the show in the show notes next to uh, the leech guy. Yeah, we can do a comparison shot for sure. Um, but yeah, so they um, they run away from him. They use Omar's dad's bowling ball <laughs> to like break a window. I don't know why this is. It's kind of ridiculous, but it's just a weird little detail. They the kids actually have pretty decent like comic timing because like when they open the door, the camera pans up and it shows the leech, and then it, it goes it the camera goes back to them and they look at each other. And then they look back at the leech, and then they they scream, and it's just—it was really like awkward, but it, it it was it was charming and funny. I thought. Yeah, the kids have good chemistry with each other. Yeah. Um I think like Jim Wynorski got good performances out of them, yeah. uh, and then from there, Swamp Thing saves them. Uh, Swamp Thing comes to the rescue. He has yeah. this pretty well choreographed fight scene with the leech monster. Uh, the leech monster picks up. I think it's like a, a rowing oar. Yeah, I think the leech monster has an oar, and then Swamp Thing grabs a metal pipe. Yeah, from a from a swing set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they they have they turn into kind of like lightsabers almost. Like I don't understand why it's not like who cares? Not why? even they're struck. They're not even struck by lightning or anything. It's pretty great though. Yeah, their 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 makeshift weapons um, are like imbued with electrical power, and they. <laughs> They they spark and they and they clash and they they shine when they when they fight. It's it's great. Yeah, and then um, he has the leech monster up against this like trailer that has some kind of like propane tank. Yeah. Um, they hit that with the you know electrical rods, uh, and that blows up. And it the leech fucking explodes. Up, yeah. Like everything blows up. Like just this chain reaction of like twenty cars blow up, and the kids are cheering. They're like, "Yeah, he's cool." <laughs> Yeah. At first they're like, oh no, that's my mom's car. But then they're like, Yeah, you got him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think um I think Omar at one time at one point he's like he's like, Oh, some some insurance agent's gonna be really happy or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's he's totally red. Um he's red capital, dust capital for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um but yeah, so then uh, the leech monster is bested. It's dead for all intents and purposes. We never see it again. Um, Swamp Thing walks out of the smoke and um, they give him a thumbs up. He gives a thumbs up back. <laughs> yeah, and Daryl yeah. says, I think that green dude's good. <laughs> which is which is true. Um, he is. He's good. And Daryl actually sounds like uh, Bobby Hill from King of the Hill. And he got, he's, he's kind of like chubby and he looks kind of like Bobby <laughs> yeah. too. It's, oh, he does. <laughs> he's he's proto Bobby Hill. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Um, but as Lewis was saying, this, this fight is pretty, pretty well choreographed. It's um, despite the actors really heavy makeup and prosthesis. Um, and, th- and that's in keeping with that tradition of the, like the super sentai, um, type fights like i i I guess our fans who aren't giant weeaboos would call it the power ranger (laughs) tradition (laughs) but um but yeah there's a long and storied and colorful history of um i don't i don't know if i'd say primarily japanese film and television but definitely very prominently japanese film and television of um guys wearing giant weird costumes pretending to beat each other up like beat each other up yeah, definitely. So, the, yeah, the precursor to Power Rangers, Super Sentai, and then stuff like Kamen Rider. Or even older, like the Godzilla films and um, 
because they they were they were people in in scaled up sets and everything. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't know if that's what uh, they were trying to reference in this movie, but it's uh, it's it's in that tradition. I, sure. I I would be willing to bet that they that that genre of either giant kaiju monsters or or super sentai type creatures fighting i i would bet that that they were at least aware of that i would i would even bet that like roger corman tried to like release some of those films in america under Mm -hmm. his banner um because he he famously had um francis ford coppola of of godfather fame edit like these uh sci-fi russian films that's and, wild <laughs> yeah put american dubbing and everything re-edit them and release them in america uh, wow. two or three actually um so i mean roger corman was aware of of world cinema um he's a pretty worldly guy um so i i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if um the people who came out of his tradition were well aware of of stuff like uh super sentai or i mean of course godzilla you know i mean yeah um that's that's obvious um, that people like Corman and, and Dante are big Godzilla heads. For sure. So follow, following this excellent fight, we jump back to the, the Arcane Mansion where we find out Anton uh, wants to use Abigail's blood to resurrect his dead wife, I think. It's interesting. Um, and this is maybe reading a little bit too much into this film. Uh, <laughs> no such thing. Read, read, no read <laughs> real deep into it. <laughs> I think like the, his character is like the the perfect encapsulation of like a like a southern eugenicist even you know because mm. um, he talks a lot about like pure blood and dna nice. and he talks nice. about how uh, abigail's uh mother had like the purest dna and then she gave that to abigail right uh, and that's why he has to use her dna and he he literally lives in a in a plantation house right he lives in a plantation yeah. mansion uh and damn uh, hell yeah yeah, I can get this film this. is so <laughs> fucking deep, so layered, guys. You, if if you see one film of the nine episodes we've done, yes, it has yes. to be Return of Swamp Thing. It definitely has to be Return of Swamp Thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they also the other component that Anton needs, in addition to Abigail's blood, is a piece of Swamp Thing. He, he needs some of his body mass because of his magical regenerative powers or whatever. So they they jump into this this incredible search montage. Um, where he sends out his security team and they, they use like every conceivable vehicle that they could get their hands on. <laughs> there's like a helicopter. There's like one of those giant fan boats. There's like ATVs and four by fours. There's like a regular boat. There's like a dirt bike. <laughs> just... And, uh, and they... I thought this was really funny. One of the guys riding the helicopter is like lighting dynamite with, with, oh, yeah. with a match and, and like... <laughs> in the blowing wind of the helicopter he's just like lighting six dynamite and tossing them out the window (laughs) and just blowing up the water to to flush out something or whatever yeah it's uh it's it's a strange scene um (laughs) but like it's it's pretty well done yeah so i think they're they're both looking for swamp thing and abigail because she escapes by that point yeah you're right she she had run off um because she was creeped out by by creepy stepdad um anton yeah so he um they're like at dinner and he gives her a ring that belonged to her mother. And when she puts it on, it actually like pricks her. There's like a needle inside. That's how they get the DNA, which is pretty clever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, yeah, she gets kind of creeped out by the whole situation because they start talking more about like her mother. Um, and yeah, Anton is just um, a mega creep kind of character. 
so she she runs away she gets the best of the security guy is that when she knees him no, in the balls no, no, or is no, that no. later in the film Th- this is when she- anton is still pretending to be normal and like nice so she- he lets her go but he has security people follow her oh okay yeah. yeah so she gets lost in the swamp um she meets these two bootleggers the bootleggers oh, who yeah. the the atf guys were looking mm. for in the beginning such masterful um, tight plotting so good <laughs> now the bootleggers are, are definitely redneck stereotypes um oh, yeah. if, oh, yeah. if we're to say there's any hateful content in this movie it would be um the redneck stereotypes of of the bootleggers and of the sheriff um previously mentioned oh god yeah that that sheriff was like the ultimate caricature of like a good old boy you know yeah for sure um fuck sheriffs so i don't feel as bad true um, yes <laughs> <laughs> but bootleggers are just trying to make you know a living um and they're trying to make the rest of us feel good too hell yeah um but yeah so there's like they're they're really terrible they're kind of like um deliverance types except they want to ostensibly rape abigail arcane they talk about like uh murdering dogs uh it's yeah, it's just it's the sloppiest writing for sure. Everything around these characters, um, just and it's just a setup to have Abigail saved by Swamp Thing. It's how they, it's their meat cute. <laughs> Swamp Thing saves her from horribly caricatured rapist characters. Yeah, so uh, and that's very much in the Roger Corbin tradition. <laughs> you know, I've seen a lot of those films. That's yeah. kind of how it goes, honestly. But yeah, they they meet, they get along. Swamp Thing and Abigail. We get a lot more exposition. Um, we even get a flashback to what I think is footage from the first film. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. that's it, the origin story of Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Since there's, I mean, <laughs> there's seven years between these sequels, so I think they really had to, right? It's just like, who the yeah. fuck remembers this movie <laughs> after seven years? Exactly. Um, so they hang out. I mean, is is this when they have sex? I think so, yeah. I think this oh, is the sex yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, so th- this sex scene is wild. Um, they're, they're making, like, dumb jokes. He's like, oh, you like my place? It's... It's a little green and a little messy, but like it's it's my own it's my own house or whatever. <laughs> and then um, they flirt and they kiss and um, Swamp Thing's like he's like I can't give you what you want like I like you you want to be loved but I can't do that for you. And she's like oh we'll find a way blah 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 blah. And then um, Swamp Thing pulls out like a fruit from his from his like stomach. Yeah, like <laughs> a blossom or something. Yeah, it's and really then strange. Well, I'll tell you, it's a fruit, and I know how I, how I know that. I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> oh, okay. I, actually, it's a tuber. Um, he he bites it, and then he lets Abigail have a bite, and then they have this shared hallucination, in which Alec has returned to his human form, and they're having sex, and it it goes on for a little bit, and then they both open their eyes, and and something's like it. Can, what does he say? He's like, it can be as real as you want it to be. I think that's what he says. Yeah. yeah. So that is probably the most tame interpretation of the infamous of the of the famous Swamp Thing sex scene from the Alan Moore comic. Where you they go with infamous, I think. Infamous. <laughs> it, but but I mean, it, it's legitimately cool. It's just really bonkers because um, the same thing happens, and he says that the thing he pulls out of his stomach is a tuber, and they they both eat it, and it acts like this LSD flavored like drug trip, like shared shared like spirit journey where they tap into like i don't know the the whole biosphere of of the earth and they they have they have shared orgasm like this orgasmic realization together 
like as as he, not only man and female man and female man and female <laughs> but as like not only as man and woman but as like human and plant or animal and plant and they have this like incredible synthesis and there's some really cool paneling and, and layout and then they open their eyes and like oh that was amazing that was that's as real as you want it to be so it's a very very scaled down version of that scene wow yeah. You know, this is why um, we should only do comic book adaptations because yes. it's a one-two punch. You know, yes. Nick has the deep knowledge of comic books. I have the deep knowledge of film. Yes. Um, yeah, so it is it is a very tame sex scene. Um, it's just um, superimpositions, uh, you know, layering of, uh, like, shots of them kissing and then, like, a, a middle shot of them caressing each other and it's it's a pretty boring scene but uh i probably under i can probably understand why they didn't do uh <laughs> what's in the comics i was honestly a little surprised at how tame it was like given given the the aesthetic of this movie as a whole they they usually bat for the fences when they when they go for the soft soft core um pornographic content in this kind of movie yeah there was no nudity in it um i think alec holland swamp thing was even wearing jeans like i don't even think we saw his butt oh my god i think even heather locklear was clothed still or just not much skin shown at all really yeah which is, which is really shocking um i don't think there's any nudity in this whole film i mean i guess technically swamp thing's nude yeah that's true but we don't see his dick because apparently it doesn't work it would be a root probably yeah yeah that's um, true anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh yeah swamp thing's great um after this part I think this is when when he when he saves the kids. Yeah, this starts off the the denouement, if you will. <laughs> oh, I will. Um, yeah, the, the the Omar Omar and what what's the kid's name? Daryl Omar and Daryl Omar and Daryl are are trying to get a picture of Swamp Thing using Daryl's um, father's camera. Yep, and um, they're trying to get a picture of Swamp Thing so they can make like ten thousand ten thousand dollars. Yeah. And because I want to sell it to the newspaper and um, they almost, they, they almost get uh, like caught by the security guard, um, the security guards of, of Anton who are trying to find them. Uh, and then Swamp Thing jumps in, saves the day. And he like, he, one of the great things about Swamp Thing is he, he humors the kids without being condescending to them. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll take a picture, but only if, if one of you stands in the picture with me, <laughs> he's like, like, here's your bat. I believe this belongs to you. And it's just yeah yeah daryl has like a baseball bat and he's like really concerned about taking a picture or even like meeting swamp thing yeah and then omar's just like no it's fine man don't worry about it and omar takes the camera and he like pushes daryl towards him and so daryl's just like standing there holding this baseball bat and swamp thing puts his arm around him <laughs> it's it's great and then even uh the, the camera the the lens cap is still on <laughs> Yes. And instead of like, you know, I think if the movie was made now, like Swamp Thing would just be like, haha, I know there's this the lens cap on. I'm going to let it stay on and he'll never take a picture of it. Yep. But he even tells, he tells Omar, he's like, I think you have the lens cap on. <laughs> and Swamp Thing, he, he's great. His, the, the little bits of like his personality and socialization that we see, he, he's just, he, he was pretty well written. I mean, like he's just like a, a decent, likable character. Yeah, no, I mean, from the first moment um, when he goes to shake the hand of the guy with the gun and says, call me Swamp Thing, <laughs> and then the title comes up. Yeah. I mean, I was told uh, he's my favorite superhero on film ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, 
but then yeah he lays the smack down on all the mercenaries with a baseball bat uh it's pretty yes. dope it's the best baseball bat fight scene of all time mm-hmm. yeah i don't um, even know what to compare it to it's just the best uh the walking dead maybe but yeah oh yeah maybe that. harley um, quinn or something um, suicide squad yeah yeah um but then after after that scene with the camera Abigail is abducted by um, Arcane, brought back to the mansion. They start doing the experiment, and I think Arcane like saps her youth, and he he becomes younger or something. Uh, yeah, it's gonna start the process. Uh, she does die. He does take her essence, her like yeah, spirit, yeah. Um, her mortality. Basically, there's like these great uh, just practical effects these overlays of like this you know mystical looking smoke like essence yeah very animated rotoscoped on top rotoscope. of her Roto- that, that's what it yeah. was rotoscoping <laughs> yeah the, the rotos- there's a lot of rotoscoping in this scene and it's just like these this essence goes from her to him in this rotoscope animation um but yeah so she dies uh arcane is going to start the process of de-aging basically Mm -hmm. uh but then swamp thing comes in like a motherfucking boss he and the this this isn't the way that he infiltrates the mansion because he like in in this scene when he infiltrates the mansion he just runs up and just starts punching people and like (laughs) and stealing grenades and throwing them at cars and stuff but um earlier we had forgotten to mention this when he first infiltrates the mansion he does it because he had been, oh shit yeah how he, did we forget this we're so sorry for yeah, forgetting yeah. this so, so so sorry for backtracking but this is incredible they they blow him up with a rocket launcher so he's he's just he's blown apart to smithereens yeah and this is uh this is right when this is after the mute cute right yeah so this yeah. is when him and abigail first meet uh they do finally track them down and they shoot him to bits and then with a uh rocket launcher on like an m16 they they blow him to pieces yeah and then he becomes liquefied and then still in liquid form he he seeps into the drainage pipe of the mansion and he comes out the bathtub like uh, like in the master bathroom and then he reforms in the bathtub with like lights and electricity like effects and everything and then he reconstitutes himself and he steps out of the shower it's great it's it was um one of the things i had been worried about is that the depiction of swamp thing would be like exclusively just a big strong guy punching people which is cool but there's more to his powers like his his plant-based um power set and it was cool to see him like literally turn to swamp water and in like in detritus and everything and then reform like that that was a really creative uh depiction of that yeah that's actually the one thing i remembered about this film besides the leech fight uh Mm -hmm. like that really left a mark on me as a kid but then him reconstituting himself in the bathtub was something that really just has stuck with me for like decades now i don't know why it's just a cool scene it's well done yeah um, and there's some more rotoscoping there as well. Some, yeah, like sparkling, crackling, green, mystical rotoscoping. So is rotoscoping when you, you take a, a drawing or a painting and literally put it over the film? Yeah, over the film. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classically done um, with like the uh, the the old Superman uh, cartoons, the short films. Yeah, the Flesher. Um, yeah, the, Fle- Mac, the Max, Flesher. Max Flesher, I believe. And, um, and Lightsabers. 
were rotoscoped mm-hmm. originally. Uh, a lot of the early Disney films have rotoscoping in them. Okay. Um, the, the the Ralph Bakshi uh, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So a lot of rich in story tradition of rotoscoping in cinema. Hell yeah. <laughs> The best, but this is the best example of it, I would say. <laughs> um, and so, anyway, back back to back to the end of the movie um, when Alec Swamp Thing uh, infiltrates, quote unquote, infiltrates the the plantation. This time, he just like barrels straight ahead. He punches people. He like chokes some people, like security guards from behind. He he bashes their head together, their heads together. <laughs> At one point, he's like, "Hey, this is pretty easy." <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> And then um, the the security guard the sec- the the chief of security, who's the other fail son character, this this doofy, yes. goateed, lo- like scraggly, oily, long haired um, douchebag. Where's a beret? Ooh, beret wearing douchebag. He's driving this jeep. To, to, he's charging towards Swamp Thing. He's like, "I got you now!" And they're like rocket launchers mounted on top of the on top of the jeep, and he's shooting. <laughs> He's trying to shoot something, and something's like he just like looks over, shrugs. He picks up a grenade that a, a guard that he killed had dropped, and he just pops it open and throws it, and he blows up the fucking jeep. It's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Gun, I think, is the name of the head of security. Yeah, something something short and terse like that. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's like guy or gun. He has a really stupid name. Um, it, it could be guy if he's supposed to be like. Um, creole heritage or something like because it's a french name d maybe yeah maybe i don't really remember but i remember it started with a g and it was monosyllabic but yeah he's a great fail son at one point he's reading mercenary times (laughs) (laughs) and he actually has the best insults to swamp thing oh yeah Um, he does they're all plant-based insults uh he says something about like Swamp Thing marrying an avocado. That's an and that's another California joke because they're like, oh, yeah, well, he'd have right. to move to California for that. <laughs> that's right. And then he says, uh, "This guy's coleslaw." I think that's before he shoots the grenade at him the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's this scene at the end. He says, "I'm going to turn him into guacamole." <laughs> yeah, and then the other one. He calls him Mr. Potato Head or something. <laughs> he calls him Mr. Potato Head. I think that's also at this end, this last scene. Yeah, he, he's he's just screaming the entire time as he's ba- as he's barreling down towards Swamp Thing, and then Swamp Thing shrugs and tosses a grenade. And blows him up. Yeah, it's incredible. And there's also this one scene between uh, the head security guy. Let's just say his name is Guy, mm-hmm. and then the the female head of security named Poinsetta. Uh, right. and they're like they're doing the jaws thing where they're like uh they're they're looking at their scars on their body and comparing yeah, them yeah yeah and like it makes me believe that guy is like a reactionary mercenary because he mentions like nicaragua mm-hmm. um so i'm yeah. just like this guy worked for the fucking contras yeah no fuck that guy good he deserves it yeah so his death is is dope swamp things are common revolutionary yeah for sure. Something isn't uh, something is an anarcho primitivist comrade. So continuing his rampage, his righteous rampage, something jumps in, go, bursts into the plantation. He runs down the stairs to the. Actually, he he, he rides the elevator down to the to the does, to yeah. the hidden um the hidden basement, and he confronts Arcane. They have a fight. Arcane is defeated, but then um out from a out from a laboratory door bursts um Doctor R- Doctor Rochelle. Rochelle yeah, but he's. Tra- what was he? He just had like a, a he giant had a big head. head. Yeah, he looked fairly alien-like. Mm-hmm. He had just a giant head. I, I 
I don't know what the serum was, but uh, the other doctor, Dr. Lena, the the love interest of Dr. Arcane, she stabs him at one point with some kind of serum and like throws him in this like cell um, because Rochelle and Dr. Arcane, uh, instead of using this one security guard who has like a similar DNA to Arcane, they want to use Lena because she has a similar dna structure i don't remember it It was really weird i actually think she was confused she thought that they were going to use her but she didn't know that they could have used a security guard right yeah so Mm -hmm. so that miscommunication sowed the seeds of distrust in her causing her to sabotage dr rochelle and then eventually causing arcane to kill her out of um out of anger right well she actually does betray dr arcane as well because she in the machine that's supposed to create him immortal um, there's the, the piece, they get a piece of swamp thing after the first time he escapes the plantation. Uh, like he just leaves it. Like he just, he just like, I think it got p- shot a piece off or of something. The, yeah. I guess like a piece is like shot off from him <laughs> and it's just like on the porch, on the portico of the plantation. And they're like, Oh, this is, we're lucky. Um, he loves so the calling cards. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what they said. There's some good snappy quips in this whole movie. There really are. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty well written for, mm-hmm. for what it is. Uh, yeah. Return of Swamp Thing is good at being Return of Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So you're the Ebert. I'm the, I'm, the, uh, I'm not the Siskel because I actually love this movie. <laughs> Which is both the Ebert. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then, so the, he, Swamp Thing and, and Rochelle fight and um, the Rochelle costume and, and prosthesis w- was good. But it was the only time in the movie that where it was kind of um, the crack showed a little bit because like his his giant head flopped around a little bit during some of the the punches that he received. Yeah, kind of kind of took me out of out of the moment a little bit. But um, it's 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 a good fight. Swamp Thing kills him, and then uh, our buddy our buddy Guy Gus Gun Goofus whatever bursts <laughs> bursts back on the scene with half his face missing, like burned off, and he's wielding a chainsaw. And it's at oh, yeah. it's at this moment that I think he says, "I'm going to turn you to coleslaw." I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and and this is lifted from the comics because uh, Swamp Thing fights um, the Floronic Man, and the Floronic Man uses a chainsaw to fight him. Um, huh. Besides the choice of weapon, there there it has no similarity to that fight whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it it is an iconic like Swamp Thing moment, and it's even on the cover. An enemy hacking at something with a chainsaw. Um, but it doesn't work in this time. Swamp Thing sucks him in the jaw like once and he... And then he pulls one of his own grenades, pull, bites off the pin, sticks it in his pants, <laughs> and pushes him back. Yeah, he throws him in the him. cell that Dr. Rochelle came out of, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he just... Yeah, he just explodes and he dies. <laughs> and his final line, it's so good. Um, what, what was it? I wrote it down because it was incredible. He's like... Um, he's like, oh shit, man. <laughs> he just blows up. <laughs> so he, he has, he has two, two gigantic defeat death scenes that kind of just, and he eats shit in both of them. And it's, it's really relatable. Hell yeah. No, it's pretty awesome. Um, the plantation mansion actually, uh, explodes mm-hmm. after this. Um, there's like a reactor core or something that's part of the experiment. Is this a, a countdown to self-destruct actually? Yeah, there's a countdown to self-destruct. So Dr. Arcane is like lying there. Um, the door to Dr. Rochelle's cell like is on his leg so he can't escape. 
Uh, Swamp Thing takes the lifeless body of Abigail Arcane. They get out of the mansion right in time for it to blow up. Um, but because Swamp Thing has these regenerative properties, he's able to bring uh, Abigail Arcane back to life. Uh, and then it's hinted that she's going to become a swamp person, yes. a swamp woman. He's like, there, there may be side effects. <laughs> yeah. And then like this like one little flower yes. that grows on her foot. <laughs> oh, which is absolutely bonkers. And then um, we get a literal title card saying the end of the two of them walking off into the sunset. Yeah, and then it's like an animation of them walking into the sunset too. It's not even like it's not even filmed. It's crazy. <laughs> and then we we get in, in the in the credits we get uh, it's like that thing from Predator where they show all the actors above the names of their characters or whatever. Oh, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we get that for everybody, which is pretty fun. Yeah, and then there's a mid credit scene with the kids. I am such an idiot because you told me about that, but I I I didn't watch it. I'm Im- yeah. immediately after we're done recording. I'm going to go watch that. Yes, and you, everybody. It's only mid credit scene. It's not end credit, so you don't have to watch the whole credits. But the kids are at like a 24 hour photo development booth, <laughs> and they are so excited to get the film developed. But then uh, Daryl realizes, or no, Omar realizes that Daryl never put film in the camera. Oh no. <laughs> So Daryl's yelling at Omar because he was the cameraman, but Omar's yelling at Daryl because it was his dad's camera. Oh, no. <laughs> Even after Swamp Thing was so nice to them, too. Yep. So unfortunately, they don't get the $10,000. God damn it. No kids. No Cadillac for them. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's right. He wanted to buy a Cadillac. Yeah. yeah no Cadillac for the kids. Oh. Um, but, you know, they have the experience of of meeting Swamp Thing. So that is worth its weight in gold. That's the real treasure found along the way yeah all the swamp things we met along the way (laughs) so yeah thus ends the the greatest comic book adaptation of all time yep there it is folks um so as always um there are some amazing workers of note in this film uh majority of it has to do with um the costuming the the makeup the creature effects um there are special effects crews for kind of both sets of things like the arcane lab mutants and then also like the um, swamp thing effects Uh, so the individuals uh, in charge of the swamp thing effects creature makeup and also the hairstyle department i couldn't parse through who was in (laughs) hairstyle so i'm just listing all these people there were some there were some incredible 80s hairstyles in this film too yeah yeah, it's true. Heather Locklear had great hairstyles, as did really any female character in the movie. There was, and there was this, there was this uh, one security guard. He he has literally one scene in the film. He has one line. He's like, "Swamp Thing has escaped," and he has like a, this in, the most incredible mullet I've ever seen. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, these are the people in charge of that, and that is uh, Vincent Altimore, Harvey Citron, George Engel, Carl Fullerton. Dean Gates, Michael R. Jones, Todd Kleitsch, Cora Knight, Corey Lear, Neil Martz, David Minkowitz, Steve Neal, Lorraine Watson, and Gene Whit- Whittem. And the special effects crew for the uh, Arcane Lab Mutants are Derek DeVoe, Jeff Edwards, Kim Graham, Robin Jacobs, Robert J. Marino, Todd Masters, James McLaughlin, Andy Schoenberg, B.J. Shelley, Bob Shelley, Don Shelley, Aaron Sims, Willard Stevens, and Eddie Yang. So on this side of the 
design and production side of things. Um, we also appreciated, as I mentioned previously, the production done and the set decoration. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arcane's lab um, is pretty cool, like 50s-esque, um, like yeah. very minimal-looking lab. You know, it has your usual, like, beakers and, and you know, wires and, and such. Shiny metal surfaces and, and, um, and, and kind of, like, really, really retro, cool, like, um, cushions on the on the on the lab tables that they would lie down the patients on oh yeah like these like big tubes that were like made like look like a pool noodles or something i don't know yeah um but overall really well done um so production design is rob wilson king and set decoration is frank galeen and someone else that we wanted to point out is the composer chuck serino um there was some cool I, I guess you would call it synth heavy, um, cool, like musical cues. Um, Swamp Thing had his own, uh, that was kind of reintroduced and remixed as according to the, the, the needs of the scene. But, um, it, it was very, it was very atmospheric. And, uh, another, another cool little musical cue that Swamp Thing had was the, the flutes that would like, <laughs> that, would, that, that was a little hacky, like the, 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 mis- <laughs> the mystical, like Native American flute sounds that would come over yeah. whenever he would talk about like. <laughs> The, the spirit of the swamp or whatever but <laughs> yep that was incredible it 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 fit <laughs> the music the music for swamp thing did what the music for swamp thing needed to do <laughs> hell fucking yeah it yeah. did um i couldn't find the name of individuals who did any of the main title work um but uh, i did find uh, there's a company called motion opticals incorporated that did the work uh on the titles and i can assume also the, the the comic book panels um that um that we get the trippy ken burns effect on and then uh last but not least i actually now that i know that that creature now that nick reminded me that that creature is a cockroach i actually have no idea what this person uh did on the film but uh there's someone who was listed in the credits as the ant consultant and his name is Jim Williams. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. They, they they wanted to talk to someone about, like, the anatomy of an ant because there's that ant creature. Ant but Nick consultant. is right. It's, it's a cockroach. It's not an ant. And I'm pretty sure it's not art consultant. I looked at it a billion times, and it said ant consultant. <laughs> That's amazing. And if I'm wrong and it's actually art consultant, I don't care. Mr. Williams, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, please reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, we would love to have you on the show and talk <laughs> yes, about <please>. AIDS. <laughs> and the, the two last people that I'd like to shout out to, um, people that who are connected to the Swamp Thing character, are uh, Len Wein, who created the character, and Alan Moore, who revitalized the character. Hell yeah, folks. Um, it's always important in these, these comic book adaptations to talk about the people who brought these characters to life. For sure. Uh, so, Nick, who would you recommend this film to? Everyone. <laughs> um, but seriously, if, if you're a fan of superhero comics, uh, superhero comic book adaptations, um, kind of, I guess, horror, Tales from the Crypt style, creepy late night TV show or movies and TV shows, um, I, I guess I can just say genre fans. You're you're seriously missing out. This, this is a... This is a hidden gem that's much better than anyone would have you believe yeah no i i second that um if you want to see every comic book adaptation ever i think this would be uh, a great double feature 
Not so much with the first Swamp Thing, because I think this one treads on a lot of the same territory, yeah. honestly, and this one's more fun. But uh, another 80s uh, comic book adaptation that is much maligned and perhaps a future episode is the Dolph Lundgren Punisher from the 80s. Ooh, yeah, that's a good call. Um, yeah, that'd be a good double feature, folks. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that they kind of like the two main types of, of early comic book adaptations, you know, like you have the, the very stripped down serious one that's kind of basically your standard action movie in in all but name and then you have like the the much more extravagant um adaptation such as swamp thing so yeah yes they are um they are contrasts for sure in conclusion swamp thing is a movie of contrasts (laughs) (laughs) so thank you for listening we'll see you next time see you next time folks 